Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. Do you want to know how to better study God's Word? Then participate in one of our online workshops or join one of our online Bible study classes. Whether you are looking for a place to start or want something more in-depth, there are plenty of options and times to choose from. Head to our website at www.preceptministries.ca to find a workshop or a class that is a good fit for you. We want you to have the tools to know God deeply and live differently. On our website, you can also get connected to our social media pages and join our email list to stay up to date on the many things God is doing through Preset Ministries in Canada. Hey, it's good to see you folks. Actually see you and not be talking to a camera. Absolutely. All the neighbors maybe went to Costco. I don't know. Uh, Listen, I've got uh, a little bit of a challenge for you from the word this morning. And again, just this week might hurt a little might hurt right right here in your heart, but that's okay because that's what God's Word does. It speaks to us, it challenges us, it convicts us. And uh, the Sunday school story that you all know so well, that of Daniel in the lion's den, there's a lot more to Daniel in the lion's den than uh, what we've learned in, in school. All right, so let me set this uh, passage up for you. Last week we looked at Belshazzar and Belshazzar's end of his life. So when Belshazzar was killed, uh, he was killed by Darius the Mede and Cyrus the king of Persia in around 539 BC. And as they came together, these two kingdoms, uh, the Persians were stronger than the Medes. But Cyrus was already ruling much of an area, and so they gave the rulership to Darius, and Darius took over and was leading the kingdom. And so Darius uh, was a guy, a very interesting person, but Darius always fell to flattery. Anything that people would do to to pump Darius up, uh, he would fall for it. You know, like, hey, Darius, you've got, you've got some nice shirts on today. Uh, hey, that crown looks really good on your head. And, and he would get, you know, all, oh, thank you. You know, oh, I'm so glad that you're telling me all this. And you could work your way and do anything you wanted with Darius. He, he would fall to buttering up. Cyrus, not so much. And so we're going to see that played out uh, in Daniel chapter 6. Today, But before we even get there, before we dig in, I want you to think about something for a minute. Think in your, in your mind, and you don't need to just tell everybody, but here's what I want you to think about. How would you be described? If someone had to describe you, how would they describe your character? Uh, here, let's put it this way, all right? If somebody were to write your obituary, what would it say about you? 
All right, so would it, would it say, um, oh, I can't believe I'm going to do this. Would it say that they were the biggest Montreal Canadian fan? I can't believe those words came out of my mouth. Or would it say they were very active in their community? They were uh, strong churchgoers. Um, they were people of integrity. Everything they did was that of showing the glory of God. How would you be described? For you young people, it wouldn't really necessarily be an obituary maybe, but what would your Wikipedia page say about you? Well, we're going to see right here in this passage, we're going to see the life of Daniel played out and how he is described. So just uh, think about this, all right? So K. Arthur, I'm name dropping right now. K. Arthur and I, we were, we were at a restaurant and, and I told a story once about me being with Wayne Gretzky. That one wasn't true. This one is. Like, yes, I went to a restaurant with K. Arthur. Anyway, so K. Arthur and I were at a restaurant in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, barbecue Sunday for you smoking people. That's what you do in Tennessee as well. And so what we did was we went there and we asked the waitress about how she enjoyed working on Sundays. And if you understand anything about Kay Arthur, that's how she always talks to people. Every moment is about sharing the gospel. But she wanted to find out how the waitress said What's it like to work on Sundays? And she said, Sunday is the worst day to work in the restaurant. And, she said, and we said, why is Sunday the worst day? And she said, ready? Christians are the worst. They're the worst tippers. They, they don't give anything. They... They take their meal and then they, they leave and they don't tip. And it was from that day forward that K. Arthur said, every precept employee must give 30% of their bill because Christians have a reputation. And so this is, this is the deal. We're, we're going to walk through this text and I'm telling you right now that Christians in the world today, you are being watched. Did you know that? You're being watched in everything that you do, from social media to, to how you behave at work to how you behave in your community, you're being watched. And this week's message title is simply this. You are going to resolve, Christians resolve to do things with excellence. And so let's look at Daniel chapter 6, and let's walk through these verses together and see how we can resolve to be people who do things with excellence. All right, no chapter divisions in the scriptures, so Darius takes over in verse 31 of chapter 5, and verse 6, it says, it seemed, in verse 1 of chapter 6, it seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, and they would be in charge of the whole kingdom, and over them three commissioners, 
of who Daniel was one. These satraps might be accountable to them and that the king might not suffer loss. All right, so the, the area that Darius was taking over was a rather big area. And so these satraps best described that we could understand governors. So they were governors overseeing different areas. And Daniel's role was that to be similar of one we might call today a president. All right, so Daniel was like one of three presidents over a large area of land, and under him were going to be a number of governors. This is what Darius is setting up. Daniel is in his 80s. He's about 81 years old now. So remember when we started Daniel, he was 15. So we've spanned a really long time, about 60 60 plus years before the end of the captivity. He's now 81, and he is one of three who are set up. Now watch verse three. All right, verse three starts with the word then, and it tells us a time reference that he's kind of standing out, and it says, Daniel began to distinguish himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit and the king appoint, planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. So think about this for a moment. Daniel has now spanned two kingdoms. He has come into captivity under Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar died. He kind of disappeared and went into a little bit of retirement with Belshazzar, but then he came back and he's rising to the top in this second kingdom now run by the Medes and the Persians. So Daniel is a man that continues to elevate himself, not elevate like with pride, but he continues to move up in high positions even in this new kingdom. And so you have here that the reason, there's a couple reason that Daniel continues to rise up and distinguish himself. The text tells us he has an extraordinary spirit. There's something about him that is different from everybody else. The first thing we know about Daniel is one, his integrity. We have seen that all the way through Daniel chapter one, all the way to Daniel chapter five, his integrity is what's making him stand out. Secondly, God has been with him the entire time. That God is with him in all that he's doing and he is a part of raising him up. He gave him the gifts to be able to interpret dreams and visions. All of these things have happened in Daniel's life. So by his integrity, by his resolve, we have seen that he is elevated and continues to elevate throughout a new kingdom. Verse 4 tells us something about these commissioners and these satraps. And it says that they began trying to find ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to the government affairs. So just before you go further, okay, here's, here's the point that I want you to understand. Uh, wicked people don't like righteous people. All right, so you need to understand that is that people who have wickedness in their heart, they do not like righteous people. And the reason that they're not liking Daniel too much right now is why? 
He is a Jewish man who was brought into captivity through Nebuchadnezzar, and yet this Jewish captive continues to rise up in very pagan-led groups. He's rising to the top no matter who the leader is. We saw even before Nebuchadnezzar was serving God that he was Daniel was raising up in his kingdom. And now Darius, brand new into leadership, raising this man with an extraordinary spirit to the top. And so what happens as this Jewish man raises up above these Medo-Persian people, they don't like it. And look what it tells us that they're going to do. They were going to uh, find grounds of accusation in regard to the affairs. But look at the rest of verse 4. They could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Uh, think about that very first question that I gave you. Uh, how would you be described? Would, would you be described like Daniel is being described by these people who really don't know him? So, you see, we're not getting the time frame here. You have to think about this. The time frame that has gone into researching Daniel's background to find something in his closet to bring out to accuse him of wrongdoing so that he could not be in really second in command in this new kingdom. But these people, it's, they researched high and low and they could find nothing. Could you, could you, could you say that that could be you? That if somebody were to, to dig into the, into the background of your life, would they, would they find no corruption? Would they find complete integrity, people in pursuit of Jesus Christ at, no, at all costs? Or, or would something be found in that closet that you don't want to, to come out? This is the culture we live in today. If, if you stand as a Christian in the culture that we live, there will be people that will want to find something to cause you to fall. Something to come out of your closet. That's why you see in the world today that people, they're finding things on Twitter and Facebook that go back like 25 years. One person just in the last little while was... Uh, won a pageant. I don't know the whole story, but they won a pageant when they were 17. They're now in their 30s, but they're apologizing for something they did when they were 15 years old to, to match and line up with where the culture is today. But, but here, Daniel, in his life, there is nothing. Nothing they can find in his life to bring accusation. So watch where these people go. Watch what they do to bring accusation against Daniel. Verse 5, it says, Then these men said, We're not going to find any ground of accusation against him unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. Where are they going? 
Okay? They can't find anything in this man's life, in the way that he lived, in the actions that he undertook. Nothing can be found in corruption in him. This is a man of integrity. So what are they going to do? They are going to attack his relationship with God's word. Do you see that? That they're not going to find any piece of action other than let's look at his relationship with God. That's how we'll get him. We'll get him by his obedience to God's word. Verse 6 says, uh, Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. Now, remember, he loves to be buttered up, right? Look, look. Oh, king, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom and the prefects and the satraps and the high officials and the governors, we have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast in the lion's den. There's one thing I want you to note before we move on. If you look at all the people that are labeled here in verses 6 and 7, Daniel was not a part of that conversation. Daniel was not included in what's happening as they go to the king. But look, O oh king, live forever. You know what? You are the best king. You are the only king. Look, for 30 days, people should only worship you, king, and not worship anybody else. And therefore, if anybody worships anyone else, throw them in that pit with all the lions. Well, if you're a brand new king... And, and you're standing there and you're, you're being buttered up like that, aren't you just going to be like, you know what, that's a good idea. I feel like I should be worshipped for 30 days. And only me. So look what happens in verse 8. Now, O king, continue to butter you up. Establish this injunction. Sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, the king signed the document that is the induction, the in injunction. Uh, when the king put his signet ring and sealed the law, there was no way for that law to be broken. Once that was sworn in, he could not go back on his word because if he went back on his word, he, he would lose his authority in the kingdom. People would begin to question what he was doing. For a man who so desperately wanted to be built up and buttered up and, and feel good about himself, it would have been completely wrong to go back on it because people would have been mad at him. Now look at verse 10. Daniel knew that the document was signed. He entered his house, now in his roof chamber. He had his windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God 
as he was doing previously. Do you see Daniel in his life of resolve that this is, this is the opportunity that we've seen all the way through Daniel. We have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who are, are told to, to bow to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. And if he doesn't bow to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, you are going to end up in the fiery furnace. That's the result of not following after the king's commands. Here Darius lays out by his signet ring and signs the document that for 30 days nobody will worship anyone else except for the king. And what does Daniel do? He walks into his house. He goes up to the roof chamber. The windows are open for everybody to see. And he gets on his hands and knees and he begins to pray three times a day as King David set up in Psalm chapter 52. David set up the path of, of believers and Jews to pray three times a day, morning, noon, and night. If you go, you can go to Israel today and you can see it, folks. You can see the men who finish their day of work and they head to the wailing wall and they pray. They don't go home to their families first. That's the first place they go. They're there in the morning. They're there at lunch and they're there at dinner. They follow the law to a T and they command themselves and they go and they pray. And this is what Daniel does. I know the document is signed. I know the result of what will happen to me, but I resolve to worship God and God alone and I will not worship Darius. Well, well, think about it. This man of integrity, what, what could he have done? Well, he, he could have gone into a room that didn't have any windows and he could have prayed right he could have he could have prayed in the quiet of his own house and and still been following the laws of god and and doing it in secret no that's not what he did he did what he does all the time is he goes to to the room where he prays where he prays all of the time he, he could have closed the windows, folks. He didn't do that either. He prayed with the windows open and he followed after what he normally done. Now, now think about this. Going back, people are watching everything. People are looking for Christians for the moment they mess up. They're looking for it. They're waiting for that opportunity. They're waiting for that blip where they can say, see, you are a hypocrite. The way you live by your words does not match the way you live by your actions. That's what the world is waiting for. They want to see Christians make mistakes and mess up so, so they can call it out and show you that you are following after something that is completely not worth it and false. But look at Daniel. Look at verse 11. Do you think that these men just allowed the, the signet ring to go on the paper and that was it? No way. They followed Daniel. They kept an eye on him. Verse 11. These men came by agreement and they found Daniel making petition and supplication before God. The, the text doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us where these men were. But let's, let's assume that they're right outside the window. 
Uh, we've been watching Daniel. We've been watching him for weeks. And we know that he prays three times a day. And he prays at this time, this time, and this time. So we're going to be right there at the window. So when he prays, we got him. I bet you if there was uh, Polaroid cameras at that time, they would have been taking pictures like crazy. Look, king, look. Daniel is worshiping his God and not you. Look at verse 12. It says, They approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Hey, king, did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you for 30 days is to be cast into the lion's den? The king replied, The statement is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Then they answered and spoke before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, he pays no attention to you, O king, or to this injunction that you signed, but he keeps praying, making petition to his God three times a day. Look at verse 14, says, uh, as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed and he set his mind on delivering Daniel even until sunset. Sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. This is, this is the most amazing part of this passage and then, then I want to bring this back to you and I for a moment is you see that the comparable of Nebuchadnezzar, when, when Nebuchadnezzar saw that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow to his statue in worship, it enraged him. He was so angry at that that he immediately sent them into the fiery furnace. Darius, on the other hand, has so much respect for Daniel that he sets out to rescue him. He knows that he's been swindled by these men. He does not want Daniel to be put into the lion's den. He's going to do everything possible to keep Daniel out of that lion's den. Verse 15 says, These men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that this is law of the Medes and the Persians, that no injunction or statute with the king establishes may be changed. Remember, king, your reputation's at stake here. You, you king, the oh powerful king, you can't change what you already have put in place. You, you've got to do what you said you were going to do. But in the heart of hearts, Darius did not want Daniel to go into the lion's den. You see, Daniel, very early in the beginning, established himself as a man of integrity, a man who, who spoke the words of God, who was, who was one worthy of putting into leadership. And it's, it's known through history that Darius began to, to have a love for Daniel by the way that he lived in his life. He resolved to be doing things 
with excellence. Uh, there's, there's no, absolutely no New Testament passage that tells you and I how to live with integrity and resolve, right? You should all shake your heads no. That's not true. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 25. Paul, he, he lays out for us how we, as believers, should do things with excellence. Much like Daniel was living a life of excellence in all that he did. Look at verse 12, Colossians chapter 3. So as to those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another in forgiving each other who has a complaint against anyone. Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell with all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word and in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to him, to God the Father. Uh-oh, here comes some instructions now of how we live with, with integrity and, and we live above reproach. Uh, wives, be, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Do not embitter against them. Oh, children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Slaves in all things, obey those who are your master on your earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward and inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which has done that without partiality. You see what Paul does here, and he talks about how we are going to be people who live with integrity and we, we live a life above reproach. Do you know where he starts? He starts in the home. Do you see that in the text? Everything starts with your relationships in the house. It starts with your relationships in your marriage. It starts with your relationship with your children. Do things that are well-pleasing. Fathers, don't, don't antagonize your children so they'll lose heart. And then he goes, okay, well, once you're in the house, you, you need to live this way. Why? Because you know what? The world watches how Christians treat each other in the home. The world watches how Christians have relationships with their children. The world wants to see that Christians are just like those of the world. But we're supposed to do things well. We're supposed to do things uh, with excellence, 
uh, do do well in raising our our children do do well in loving our spouses and and then look at 22 you think you can get away with every outside of the house here you go slaves uh, you can just change that word with worker uh, worker obey your boss and then he says whatever you do work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men uh, do you ever do you ever look at uh, your relationships that you have and and the people that you work with and do you, do you consider the very fact that when you work, if you, if you don't focus on all the, the things that are happening in the day-to-day, -day, hey, maybe, maybe there's some stuff that my boss, I don't really like what they're doing or I don't want to go in that direction and there's all kinds of that stuff going on, but you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I'm here in the position that I am in and I am going to serve the Lord and I'm going to do my best in whatever I am called to do regardless of the situation. Why? Because I don't serve man but I serve God. Now, if, if your boss were uh, calling you to, to do things that were illegal and, you know, hide funds in a Swedish bank account or something like that, I don't know if that really happens, but if, if that were to happen, then, then don't do that, but serve the Lord in all that you do. Keep your mind focused on pleasing God and not pleasing man. The same can be said for the way that you have in your relationships. Uh, love your family as Christ loved the church. If, if we are people that are going to be watched, I want to tell you something, folks, and you need to pay close attention to this. Are you ready? Jesus ascended to heaven more than 2,000 years ago. So, so Jesus has not walked this earth for more than 2,000 years, and yet he walks this earth each and every single day because his Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. So, so when you walk every single day in your community, in your home, in your work, do people see Jesus? You see, you might be the only opportunity for someone to see Jesus. Do you see the responsibility? Do you see the importance as believers? We, we can't be like those of the world. We need to be people of living a life of excellence because we are to reflect Jesus in the world that we live in. Uh, go back with me to, to, to the book of Daniel and, and let's look at uh, what happens with Daniel in the lion's den. Soon after, verse 14, the king heard the statement, he was deeply distressed, and he set his mind on delivering Daniel. Even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said, O king, recognize the law of the Medes and the Persians, no injunction or statue which the king establishes may be changed. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, 
your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. Hey, wait a minute. How in the world did Daniel or Darius know that Daniel served God? How did he know? He knew in the way that he lived out the truth of God's word. Do you see it? People are watching. People are watching to see if you have Jesus living inside of you. In the same way that Daniel, by his integrity and his relationship with God, everything he did showed in the outward actions of his life. And Darius knew, your God will deliver you. Uh, this den, all right, so just so you quickly understand this, I can't remember what the Sunday school pictures look like. It's been too long. You know, I don't know if it was like a picture of a cave or, or whatever, but den here can best be translated as pit. So a giant pit with Daniel inside with a bunch of hungry lions. I was thinking this week, what would be the most comparable? It'd be like that opening scene of Return of the Jedi. Remember that? With, with the giant hole with kind of the, the teeth and it was eating up everybody. Maybe it was like that. But this giant pit filled with lions. The stone was brought, verse 17, was brought and laid over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring, which you could not open once it was closed. So that nothing would be changed regarding Daniel. Everything was happening. Daniel's in the lion's den. Verse 18 says, The king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting. No entertainment was brought before him. And his sleep fled from him. We're about to see one of the most interesting contrasts in, in this story. We're going to look at Daniel and we're going to look at Darius and their two responses to how they are dealing with the whole situation of the lion's den. So here you have Darius who goes to sleep. All right. So he never had dinner. That tells us he, he didn't have dinner. He really didn't have an appetite for dinner. He also, he didn't have Netflix. He had no entertainment for the night. And he didn't get any sleep. Look at verse 19 says, The king arose at dawn, at the break of day, and he went in haste to the lion's den. Uh, in haste literally means uh, he, he ran over. He ran to the lion's den that morning, and he, verse 20 tells us, when he came near to the den, to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. And the king spoke to Daniel, the servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Daniel, are you okay in there? Did the lions eat you up? Are you all right? Look at Daniel, verse 21. Uh, uh, o king, hear it, hear it. Live forever, O king. 
Live forever. Verse 22, my God, Jehovah, he sent angels and he shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me inasmuch I found innocent before him and also toward you because I have committed no crime. I want you to just think for a moment, okay? Just, just think about the contrast between the two. Are you ready? Darius, he couldn't eat dinner. He didn't have any entertainment and he didn't get any sleep. And he wasn't the one in the den with lions. The agony inside his, his body was just bothering him so much that he had been fooled by these, these governors and, and put Daniel into the lion's den. It was eating him apart inside. And what's, what's Daniel doing? Hey, maybe he was like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. He's just at peace. Those, those hungry lions, they can't eat me. Why? Because angels have closed their mouths. The one, the one who's in should be in turmoil and worry and agony and you know fasting and praying and, and freaking out is Daniel. Because he is in a pit with lions with no escape, with a rock on top. That's it. It's over. But Darius is the one who is having the rough night. And Daniel, much at peace. Why? Why? Nothing was found against him. Even God could not bring judgment upon Daniel because there was no corruption and no crime against him. God delivered him. It, it just brings me back. Just think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking around in the, in the fiery furnace without a piece of flame or not even smelling like smoke. Nothing had touched them. Why? Because God delivered them. The same can be said here. here here's what uh, are a couple reasons why Daniel was saved in the lion's den. One, because of his faith. The first and foremost reason that Daniel was protected was because of his faith. Look at verse 23 of chapter 6. It says, The king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den with no injury. What was found on him? Because why? Because he trusted in God more than he trusted in anything else. By Daniel's faith, he was delivered. Turn with me quickly to, to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 33. Listen to what uh, the author of Hebrews tells us uh, in, in the hall of faith. Hebrews 11, 33. He says... Uh, Let's look at verse 32 first. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, and did what? 
shut the mouths of lions. By faith, and God looking at the faith of those people, rescued Daniel, rescued the others. Why? Because of their faith. You see here, here's the situation and the lesson that, that we need to learn in Daniel and the lion's den. We need to be people who resolve to be people who do things of excellence. Why? Because it is so easy for us to compromise. It's easy. That's the easy route to compromise our faith in Jesus Christ to do things that will be pleasing to the world. That's the easy way out. But sometimes the easy road is not the best road to travel. Compromise seems so easy, but it is the most dangerous road to go down. Why? Because people are watching. Because people want to watch the Christian compromise and, and put their faith in question. It's the most dangerous road for, for a Christian to travel. The road that we should travel is one of not compromising. Look at the, look at the end of this passage and then I want to take you to, to two New Testament passages to wrap up. Verse 25 says, um, verse 24, sorry, the king gave orders and they brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel they cast them in and their children and their wives into the lion's den. They had not yet reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed their bones. Hey, those, those lions didn't eat all night. They were hungry. And they got quite the meal. Verse 25, uh, Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, the nations, and the men of every language who were in the land, May your peace abound. I make a decree that in all dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. He's a living God. He's an enduring God. His kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. His dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions, so this, thus Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. If, you, if you're writing notes and you got a pen, you want to write Daniel chapter 4 beside verses 25, 26, and 27. Why? Those are the very words that Nebuchadnezzar said of God when he recognized God as ruler. So what does Daniel and the lion's den have to do with you and I? All right, so let's take a look. A couple of passages. First one, 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, verses 8 to 9. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Listen to what... Peter tells believers scattered throughout the land. Be sober of spirit. Be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But re resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of sufferings 
are being accomplished by your brethren in the world. Uh, here, here's something for you to think about. You ready? Ready for it? You, right now, are living in the lion's den. You know that? Where, where we are right now in this world, we are living in the lion's den. We have an adversary, the devil, who is prowling around like a lion seeking to devour believers. Seeking to devour those, ready for it, who are willing to compromise. The devil wants you to fall. The devil wants you to, to give your life over to him. But look at what Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 17. So turn with me to 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 17. Listen to what Paul tells Timothy. This is the end of Timothy's life. I mean, after Paul's life, he's, he's lived a life of faith. He says he's fought the good fight. He's about to die for his belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ and all that he's done. He says, uh, at the first point of my defense in verse 16, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was rescued out of what? What does it say in the text? Yell it out. I was an okay yell. Out of the lion's mouth. What did, what did God do for Paul? As he lived on this earth and he was by himself serving God in all that he did, living a life of integrity, what did God do at the end of his life? Rescued him from the lion's mouth. You and I, folks, we are living in the lion's den right now. That Satan wants to devour us, but all we have to do is we have to do resolve to do things with excellence. We have to resolve to live a life that brings glory and honor to God, and God will rescue us just like he rescues Paul from the mouth of the lion. And the final verse I want you to look at is Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Follow with me to Revelation 2, 10. And here, here's why it's all worth it for you to live a life of excellence here, now on this earth, knowing that God will rescue you from the lion's den. It's verse 10. It tells us, Do not fear for what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to be cast uh, some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. The message of Jesus here is be faithful to the end because the reward is with him. So easy for you and I. So easy for you and I to, to compromise in our life and, and not live to do things with resolve and to do things with excellence. That's the easy way out, but the most difficult road that we can see from the life of Daniel, even in the lion's den, when he is told not to pray, when he is told not to worship his God, he goes up onto his roof, he opens the windows, and he begins to pray like he always does three times a day. He resolved to do things with excellence and didn't compromise no matter what in his faith. That's the challenge that God has for you. 
that even in this culture, this cancel culture, the world that we are living in today, do not compromise. Christians do everything well. Do everything with excellence. Don't bow to the culture. Stand out because you are the ones who are going to show this world Jesus today. There's nobody else. We are the ones who will show Jesus to the world. Are you living a life of integrity? Are you doing things with excellence? What will your description of your life be when someone else describes it? Will it be like Daniel? Or will people find skeletons in the closet and bring those out at the most opportune time? Resolve to be like Daniel. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you again for, for the time that we've, we've had this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that comes out of it. We pray that as we uh, have opportunity to meditate on your scriptures, that you would challenge us and speak to our hearts regarding living a life of integrity, living a life above reproach and without question. Give us hearts of courage and perseverance to maintain until the end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Make sure to check out our website at www.preceptministries.ca. And we want to hear from you. If you have been impacted by these podcasts or another ministry of Precept Ministries, then we want to know. Email us your testimonies to info at preceptministries.ca. We can't wait to hear about how God is working in your life.